Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. We continue our series in the book of James with a sermon titled, Live in the Present, from James chapter 4. James explores the depth of gossip's impact, stressing humility and living in sync with Jesus' will and love. He warns against harming others with false stories, while distinguishing healthy conversations about pain from harmful venting. Excessive complaining can escalate to damaging talk, going against Jesus' message of love. Jesus alone holds the role of judge. Forgiveness means letting go of judgment and praying for release from resentment. Staying present with Jesus and trusting his guidance counters harmful speech. James compares human plans with aligning with God's will, suggesting regular prayers for direction. These insights connect to concrete acts of love, reflecting Jesus' forgiveness and encouraging its expression. Hi! Good morning! Hello, everybody online! Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, if you're a guy, uh, we had a men's breakfast the other day or the other week, and it was amazing. There was like 35, 40 guys there. It was incredible. I just want to encourage you, if you're a guy, these ladies have been having fun a lot with our minister of Razzle Dazzle, Debbie, and and April helping these uh, ladies out. So guys, it's our time, all right? So let's do this. We have Joe as the minister of barbecue, and Terry is the minister of men and all the other guys doing stuff. And I think there's even going to be a minister of dazzle razzle uh, for the dudes. And so, uh, yeah, so we want to encourage you, come. Uh, Second thing, uh, before I get going here, Asking your prayers. In fact, Debbie, uh, our minister of Razzle Dazzle, who helps with women's ministry and uh, uh, worship or um, prayer retreats, she's asked me to pray or uh, say, pray for her. Um, she had, had gallbladder surgery. Everything's great, but she has lupus, um, and you might know that. That's an autoimmune disease. And so now, after any kind of major event for her health wise, her lupus always flares and attacks. And so she's had a, a, a terrible rash, and she's on meds, and it's helping, and now all of the symptoms from the meds are there. So can we just say a quick prayer for our minister of Razzle Dazzle, Debbie? Uh, Jesus, we pray for healing now for Debbie, and that she would feel better, and that she, uh, you just bring life and health to her body in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Hi, friends. Good morning. It's so good to be with you. Um, so if you are new or visiting with us this morning, welcome. We are so glad that you're here. Uh, it takes courage to come to church for the first time, so thank you. And if you look around, uh, you'll see that the majority of us, um, you, you might think, oh, I'm new here. Everybody is almost new here, um, So uh, except like 10 people. So uh, we're so glad that you're here. Welcome. Um, we believe three things as a church. I say this every week uh, because our church is guided by a vision and a purpose, not a personality. Uh, We make decisions as elders and leaders in this church by by our purpose and our vision, not based on the emotional whims of an irrational pastor. (laughs) That would be me. Uh, So uh, so we say this every week. First, we believe always that there's hope beyond our brokenness. And so we're always finding ways to bring repair and restoration into our life, whether it's a marriage weekend or a prayer retreat or small groups or just praying for you during a worship night. We want to bring hope in the middle of your brokenness because you are going to be healed and then you're going to experience the next part of brokenness in your life and then you're going to get healed and then the more and more we go. So subjectively, as a Christian, we're always aware of our brokenness. Objectively, people see from the outside, they're being transformed. And they think, wait a minute, I thought people don't change. And the only explanation is that God is real. Amen? Second, we're called to trust in our risen Savior. To trust God is to know Him. It's to put the weight of our soul on Him. And uh, so Alpha is an amazing opportunity for you to understand who Jesus is, but then also to trust him because the more that you know him, the more that you trust him. And so we do these things so that we'll grow our trust in God. We're not interested in our religious performance. Praise the Lord. 
I'm too blessed to be distressed? No. We are distressed and hard-pressed all the time. Yes? yes? I mean, look at the person next to you. They're a hot mess, right? They've been distressed all week. That's why you dragged them here, right? Uh, so so uh, we're not interested in performance. We're interested in faith. And faith is us trusting God and being vulnerable with our lives no matter where we are. Amen? Amen. And finally, we get to bring restoration. So next week, you're going to hear about all the change for dollar stories, which is just miracle after miracle that happens. But we do more than that. We bring restoration to people in our church to bless them and to love them back to life. We do that people who don't go to our church in all kind of different ways. And so we're just so glad that you're here. Each one of these truths has a choice. Because following Jesus, we get to choose that every day. And so can we declare our choice once again to follow Jesus together? Amen? Let's say this together. Let's declare it together. Ready? And if you're online, you can say it too. And if you're like in bed or let's say you're watching next to someone, surprise them with how loud you are. Are you ready? Here we go. Today, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first. And I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. Amen? Hey, so can I have permission to speak to your heart of hearts today? Would that be okay? It's a tough one. I mean, I guess what week hasn't been a tough one, but there will be a day when I preach a sermon and my week will be fantastic and you'll know why. Uh, But again, God always pulls me through the sermon. Um, And so I know he does that for us as well. Uh, So uh, thank you. Thank you for being willing to let me speak to your heart of hearts today. So we're in the book of James. Uh, We're almost in the last chapter. James only has five chapters. This is the last part of chapter four. Uh, And I'm going to start today with a a story. Uh, It's an old story, a true story, actually, of a guy... um, in, in town, and this guy was known for just maliciously talking about everybody all the time. And he was a gossip, he slandered, he, I mean, he, he was just, he would always tell you about other people's sins and shortcomings. He would spill the tea, okay? That's the phrase, the new phrase. Um, and the idea is, and, and, and that's the idea of gossip or slander. Slander is, whether it's in my heart or out loud, I'm trying to wreck another person, right? As Christians, we, we, we do this all the time. Sometimes we do it in prayer requests. Can we pray for them? You would not believe what happened. Oh, God. Remember that one time when she did this or she said that? That doesn't count, right? Uh, gossip is oftentimes happens to the prayer train uh, in churches. The other thing that we do as Christians uh, when, we, uh, when we rip on people, uh, we do it in a concerned way. Uh, no, still ripping on people. Um, my favorite as, as Christians that we do that is that uh, we just say, oh, well, if I don't say anything, everything's fine. Uh, you can still have slander in your heart where you, or gossip in your heart. Or gossip is speaking, but slander is like, I really just want to tear that person down. I really just want to diminish them and wreck them. It happens in an attitude in our heart, too. So... Here's this guy in this town, and the local pastor, he is the object of this guy's ridicule and slander. And it wasn't in this, just this guy's heart. It was with his words everywhere. And he would spread all kind of rumors. And so one day, I mean, this happened for years and years, right? One day, God convicted the man who attended the church, and he came to the pastor and said, look, I've just... I've slandered your name all over town. I've told everybody all the things, most of which aren't true. I, I've, it's been terrible, and I'm so sorry. And I really want to make amends. And the pastor's like, wow, that's huge. Thank you so much for that. And the guy said, what can I do to make up for this? And the pastor goes, do you have two down pillows? The guy's like, yeah. Like with the feathers? He goes, yeah. He goes, I want you to take those two pillows and I want you to go down to Main Street and I want you to cut open those pillows and then wave them around. So the guy's like, you want me to litter? The pastor's like, mm-hmm. Well, kind of. And the guy's like, oh, really? The pastor's like, yep, that's what you can do. You're really sorry. Go ahead and do that. The guy's like, 
okay. It goes down to Main Street. I mean, imagine walking down, right, the village in Aurora Grande or down Grand Avenue and watching a guy wave around two down pillows, right? What would you see? Feathers. Everywhere. So the guy comes back to the pastor and he says, well, I littered. And the pastor goes, no, you didn't. Now I want you to go back and pick up every single feather. <laughs> and as you do, this will be a reminder of how much time and energy it takes to clean up after your slander. So today, James is going to talk to us about the impact of our words, about what we say about other people. But it's not just about gossip, right? I can preach you a sermon about gossiping. Ready? Don't do it. <laughs> Let's pray, right? Like, that's not, this is, it's much deeper. Today's message, it comes in that same line that James has been talking about his, this entire letter to the church, which is, let us live a life of humility, where we stay present with Jesus, even when we see chaos all around us, so that his will and his mercy and his spirit, just as we sang, can fall or come. That's the goal of this passage. So are, are you okay with me preaching to your heart of hearts today about all that? Yes. You sure? Yes. You okay? Jesus, help us to hear. Again, we bind up any kind of confusion or anything opposed to Jesus that's here. Leave in the name of Jesus and go to Jesus to be judged. Not today, devil. Do you guys agree? Yes. Amen. All right, here we go. James chapter 4, verse 11. Read this with me, if you can. Almost. There we go. Okay, that's my fault. That's my fault. I finally got the slides up, by the way. Isn't that exciting? So exciting. It only took three weeks. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. I love this, that James, again, speaking to the church, last week he has to tell Christians not to kill each other, right? <laughs> this week he's telling Christians, don't slander one another. Keep on reading with me. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them, speak against the law and judges it. And when you judge the law, you're not keeping it but sitting in judgment on it. What the heck is James talking about? Let's break it down. First, notice that James speaking to other Christians. Slander is spreading lies, rumors, telling about another person's shortcomings only for the purpose of tearing that person down. That's slander. Don't do it. Here's something important. It's okay to talk about when someone hurts you. It's okay. You need to talk about when someone hurts you. When someone really makes you mad and hurts you, it's okay, and even if they're a Christian, it's okay to come to somebody that you're close to and talk about it and process it. That's not gossip and slander if after that conversation with a friend, you're ready to speak the truth to that person who hurt you. Does that make sense? So Matthew's really clear. Jesus in the book of Matthew is really, really clear that, that, that if you have a problem with a brother or sister, the first thing that you do is that you go to them with that problem, Right? But what we do is that we kind of build up the courage to talk to people that we have problems with one person at a time, right? Hey, do you know what April did? Um, do you, did you hear what April did? Did you hear? She's not here. She's on vacation, so I can talk smack about her all day long. You guys would never believe what April did. I'm just getting the courage to talk about my wife. I mean, to talk to my wife while I talk about my wife. You would feel so terribly uncomfortable if I did that. But that's what we do. Slander often happens when we're getting ready or building up the courage to talk to someone. But it's okay to process with your friends if 
you are then saying, okay, now I know what to say, now I'm thinking correctly, and I'm going to then confront the person that hurt me. Does that make sense? That's what our friends are for. So processing with all your friends because you're mad and you don't want to say anything, that's not loving or courageous, and that can just be gossip, which can turn into slander. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Can you feel the Holy Spirit here right now? It's that voice that's saying, oh, dang it, right? So then what does James say? He says this, when we, spl- when we slander... We speak against the law, or we, we judge the law. What the heck does that mean? Well, think about this with me. When I set myself up, or you set yourself up, to be the lawmaker, the judge, the jury, and the executioner over another person and their reputation, I am putting myself above the law. Does that make sense? Because I get to say how you broke it. Ha-ha. And to determine your punishment. <laughs> and how long I'm going to keep you in the doghouse. Ha-ha. Does that make sense? I'm judging the law. I am now above the law. Now, we can all agree that what they said and did to you this last week, and we know who they're talking about, you know, I know. Right? You texted me about them. They're terrible. I get it. Sorry, what they did was terrible. I know. We can all agree that how people have hurt you is wrong. Yes? Okay? Everyone knows that what they did is wrong. So are you willing to then go and talk to them about it? Are you willing to forgive them because the law that James is talking about isn't like our civil law or the Old Testament law. It's it's the law that Jesus gives us. Love one another. Forgive one another. Lay your life down for one another. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Anybody here been slandered? Anybody here been gossiped about? Stinks, doesn't it? Are you willing to not do that to another person because you don't want it done to you? And here's the bottom line. When I set myself up above the law, I'm trying to do God's job. That's it. I'm trying to do God's job. Why? Because God's not, I think God's not doing it fast enough or God's not mean enough, or God's not handling it the way that I want it handled. Right? No, let me bring some justice into this situation right now. Right? That's what we think. And then what happens? Right? As I'm trying to do God's job, then what do I do? I judge. And then as Matthew, Jesus says in Matthew 6, I then will get judged the exact same way. What does that make? How, what does that mean? It means this. And I'm talking about my life here this week. Yes, what a glorious week this was. Why? Because I got hurt by someone and then I judged them. And then you know what I did? As I judged them and slandered them in my heart because I'm a pastor and I don't speak bad about you all. I mean them, I mean her, I mean him, whatever right? As I judged them, you know what I then did? The exact same thing. And that is a law that is unescapable. If you slander someone, if you sit in judgment over them, if you're ready to be their judge, jury, and executioner, and they did this, and they did this, and they did this, and they did this, then you will do the exact same thing. And you know why? Because you know about them and their resentments. And you say, you say to yourself, can't they see that they're doing the same thing? I mean, they're so bitter and angry, but they're literally doing the same thing. Now I'm going to get bitter and angry at them and do the exact same thing. That was me. That was me this week. 
So we get angry with people who are mean with their tone. Stop being so mean with your tone! But then we're blind to us being mean with our tone. I'm so mad at you for dropping your responsibility. You failed. Why can't you just do things right? I'm so exhausted. Now I have to do your job and my job. And therefore, I deserve rest, and I can drop all responsibilities because I'm so tired of doing yours. And now all of a sudden, we're dropping our responsibilities just like they did. Well, you're just reverting back to old dysfunctional patterns. And so I'm angry at you, and so I'll revert to mine as well. (laughs) Preaching my own soul. The fact that you're here is a convenience. (laughs) Read this with me. The only way out of the cycle of slander, resentment, and you repeating their mistakes is to allow Jesus to be the judge, which is the very definition of forgiveness. So I don't know, do you want to repeat their mistakes? Seven people said no. So that's really scary. (laughs) This is an opportunity for you to make a choice which involves you speaking. Do you want to make the same mistakes and the same hurts that the people did who hurt you? Yes or no? No. Great. Some of you are like, maybe. (laughs) That's fine. I get it. So then this is what James says in the next verse, verse 12. Here it is. There it is. Read this with me. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? See, I'm all about destroying people who have hurt me, but I don't want to save them. But yet I'm the man who has destroyed other people, and I cry out to God in mercy, please save me. Like, I'm desperate to be saved, and so are you. But then we don't want to save the people who've hurt us. We just want to make them hurt. My unforgiveness and slander is about me trying to be the judge, trying to be God. So how do we not do this? How do we get out of God's job? How do we step down from his job and say, I don't want to do this anymore? This is literally what forgiveness is. So how do you forgive? Okay, you literally pray this out loud. Jesus, what they did and said was wrong, I don't want to be their judge anymore. It's not complicated, okay? So when you don't want to do God's job, then you just don't do it. You just say, I I don't want to be their judge anymore. And then you do this, I hand them over to you. That's literally a prayer saying, I hand this person who's hurt me over to you. And I forgive them now, and then you have to be specific. Surgeons don't just operate on the upper half of your body. You can't forgive your father or your mother or your spouse or your brother or your sister or your business partner or your friend who hurt you generally. You have to be specific like a surgeon is specific because wounds are specific. How many times do you have to forgive? So at least 490 times. Sorry, that's the way it is. Why? Because that's the damage and the consequences of when people wound you. I wish that it could happen instantly. It doesn't. There's a beautiful reason why. It's because God cares about every part of you. And he's not going to diminish your hurt. He wants every part of you restored. So I forgive them in Jesus' name. And then I say this. Again, this is me forgiving, and at the same time, me stepping down off the seat where the judge sits 
because I stink at doing God's job. And so I pray this. And you can pray this with me. God, forgive me for trying to do your job. Thank you for your mercy and forgiveness towards me. I now hand over my anger and resentment towards them to you, to you, Jesus. I don't want to carry that anymore. <clears throat> That's what it looks like. I'm leaving this slide up here for a while. If you want to take a picture of it, I can email it to you. I can text it to you. I can pray it with you. Notice that when you forgive, you don't say, Lord, help me to forgive. He'll say, I am. Go ahead. (laughs) Don't say, I just want to forgive. Great. Go ahead. Your grammar matters. You literally have to, it is essential for you to say, I forgive. And what you're doing when you say I forgive is that you're not saying I forget because the moment that you say, Andy, I forgive you, I'm going to say, what did I do? (laughs) In the words to forgive, there is a just accusation. Does that make sense? When I forgive somebody, I am saying, Jesus, what they did was absolutely wrong and I don't want to be their judge anymore about it because all that bitterness and slander and resentment is just poisoning me. So Jesus, you and I agree this is wrong, but I want you to be their judge just like I want you to be my judge. Does that make sense? That's what forgiveness is. And now here's the hard part. And I know this really well. There's going to be some times in your life, seasons, that might be a long season, where there's just people in your life that continue to hurt you over and over and over. They're hurt themselves, and so they hurt. I get hurt for my wife, my son, my family. It happens every week. So we're courageous to forgive. I know you are. I see you do it. I pray it with you all the time. And then what happens? We get hurt again. So then what do we do? We forgive again. And then what happens? We get hurt again. We do this over and over and over and over and over again. And I know what I do, and I know that this might be not what you do, but maybe it is. What I do when that person keeps on hurting me over and over and over again with the same pattern of behavior, a.k.a. a routine, a.k.a. a choice that they like, that they're choosing, even though they're saying I didn't mean to, and they keep on doing it, which means they meant to, but they don't want to think that they mean to, but even though they keep on choosing it because they mean to, you know what I'm saying? Doesn't matter how many times you say, stop it. Sometimes this happens with me too. It happened to me this week. I, my routines got exposed as well this week. Yikes. You know what I think? I immediately start thinking about the future. What am I going to do? How am I going to avoid this? What do I have to do to make them stop? What if they don't stop? Is this going to end the relationship? How, what consequences will this have? How do I avoid those consequences? What can I say to bribe them? What can I say to make them stop? What if I get louder? What if I do a song and dance? What if I give them money? What if I distance themselves, myself for them? What do I do? And, 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 and literally what I'm trying to do, I'm slandering them in my heart, and at the exact same time, I'm trying to save them, and neither work. Neither work, because I can't. I can't manage the future now. Are you good at that? Managing the future right now? I mean, so many of us have preloaded conversations that we've already had with people in the future. And all we do is we put in that little tape. If you know what a VCR is, say amen. Amen. We put in that little VCR tape and we press play, right? And we we just let it play out. And we don't care what they say. We know what they're going to say. And so we've already made the mixtape. We got our lo- uh, answers locked and loaded, ready to go. 
boom, 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 boom. And we're having imaginary conversations with people in the future in the present. Does that work? Why do we do that? Because I'm trying to be their savior. I'm trying to be their judge. I'm trying to... I'm trying to forgive, but I'm not forgiving. I'm angry, but I'm not slandering. But then I'm slandering. But and it's me trying to do God's job. So I was asking Jesus, what do I do with this? How do I handle this? I don't want to keep on getting hurt. What do I do? And he said this to me, so annoying. This is what he said. (sighs) Stay in the present right here with me. Forgive with me. Let me minister to you right now, Andy. Trust me with the future by staying with me right now. I think this is the hard part about when you get hurt. And it's the hard part about struggling with people. Is that sometimes it's like I want to forgive, but I don't do it with God. Like I'm doing it about them, and I'm like, God, I forgive them. But I just want to move on with my day. But when I surrender to Jesus that person who hurt me, and I just stay in the present with Jesus, a couple of things happen. Number one, I know that he sees my pain. Listen, the reason why we get mad and we gossip and we slander isn't because we're mean-spirited people. Well, (laughs) most, most of us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We know who we're talking about, right? <laughs> See how we slip into slander so easy? Uh, <clears throat> I even can't even believe they're here this morning, too. It's like the audacity of it all. <laughs> Bev, that was perfect. Bev says to me, you're forgiven, Andy, which is just great. Exactly. I'm that person. I'm the person. Every- Anyways, so the point is this is that when I'm doing the forgiveness work with Jesus, I literally slow down enough to like feel his presence. You know what happens? Is that he sees me and he hears me. The reason why I slander and gossip about other people sometimes is because I want other person to see my pain. I want somebody else on the outside to recognize how hurt I am. Because if no one sees my pain, then I'm just suffering alone in it. And there's no, nothing worse than being completely alone in your pain with nobody to say, that sucks. I'm so sorry. Somebody crying with you, sitting next to you, being with you in your, in your heartache is the greatest gift in all the world. Because they can, in fact, I, I trust my friends with this most of the time. Most of my friends have a better reaction to my pain than I ever do. I tell them what happened. I'm like, it's not that big a deal, really. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you have a two-by-four sticking through your chest. Their reaction helps me gauge and understand how hurt I really am. When you do that with Jesus and forgive with Jesus, then you can hear his response and his reaction and his love for you in that moment. That is so important. James then makes what feels like a transition, but I'm here to share with you, James is literally talking about the same thing. So this is just the same principle applied in a different area of our life, and this is the funniest verse in the book of James. Are you ready? Here we go. Read with me now, right? Put some pizzazz in it. This is the time to shrug your shoulders. If you've fallen asleep because you didn't want to hear a word I say about forgiveness, we're moving on to a different subject now. Are you ready? Great. You can hold on to that bitterness all you want. That's fine. Here we go. Now, listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, 
spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Are you ready? Biblically, you are a fart in the wind. You're a mist. It's here now and then vanishes. Oh, feel free to tell anybody in your life that you need to. Instead of slandering about them, just say, oh, yeah, well, you're a fart in the wind. <laughs> in the Bible, right here. So, so is James saying never make a plan about your life? No. What is he saying? He's saying, next verse, he says this. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. James, what is James doing? He's asking you to make room for Jesus in the present tense of your life. Listen, I, I love schedules. I'm a schedule person. I live and die by my schedules. I'm a busy man. I love to achieve things. I love to get things done. I, loved, I love that. I have lists. I check off things on my list. I plan out my week. I plan out my months. I plan out my years. I love schedules. I love getting stuff done. I am not happy unless I have four construction projects and three things on the horizon and X, Y, and Z. That's who I am. I love doing that. And I can schedule Jesus right out of my life. I mean, I'm doing his work, and I will never talk to him because I'm too busy doing his work. Right? I love God. I just am too busy with life in order to, like, connect. I can schedule Jesus right out. And, and we pass by people in need, and we think, oh, thank God, thank God um, you know, somebody else is there to help them. And I'm not talking about homeless people. I'm talking about your spouse that you just walked by that you're not talking to because you're busy. I'm talking about your kids that you don't have time for because you're too busy. I'm talking about your friends that say something to you and you're too busy. We're too busy. We've got a schedule to keep. Don't want to interrupt my schedule. My friend Joe Jackson, who attends this church, he's not here today. He's at a memorial this morning. He's at a memorial this morning, this morning because a guy that he worked with um, doing heavy machinery and road grading and dirt moving was struggling with an addiction. And Joe said to this kid, Taylor, he said, um, come, come with me to church. Taylor said, nah. And uh, Joe kept on inviting him and kept on inviting him and kept on inviting him. And eventually he got uh, Taylor to invent, uh, come to one of the, our community-wide uh, men's events called M26 out at, out at the, the, the ranch, Thousand Hills Ranch. And uh, Taylor had an experience with God on that night and gave his life to Jesus. And 10 days later, Taylor was dead. Joe, uh, it is there at the memorial service right now. Look, you have no idea what's going to happen to you. Like, I know you make plans for what's next, and you have things that you're going to do for what's next, and you're saving for the years to come because you know what's going to happen. You've got a plan. But literally, you have no idea what's going to happen in your life the moment you leave here. You have no idea where you'll be next year. What's the point? Make room for God now. Sure, plan away, absolutely. Just include Jesus in your plans. You, you have a schedule on your phone? Do you use iCal or something like that? Do you use a Google Calendar? Yes. Anybody? Yes. Seven of you know what that is. Awesome, <laughs> right? Put in your calendar, pray. 
You have alarms for everything. Take your pills. Go on a walk. Wake up. Go to bed. Do you have an alarm that says, pray? Good. Pray. Schedule God into your life. Make room for him. Right? I am now learning to put on all of my to-do lists, rest, pray, enjoy. Because if I don't put it on my list, I won't do it. So two years ago, I would come home from work, watch TV, work in my woodshop on the weekends, surf. That's what I did. I planned out my days and my weekends around my rest and my hobbies. My schedule was full. I enjoyed my life. And today, I've learned that what I was, how I was living two years ago is that I never made room for God or for you in my life. Sure, I hope you showed up on a Sundays, but don't call me during the weekends. It's my day off. I'm unavailable. Right? And now I've made room for God and for you in my everyday life, and my life is better for it. I love it. My friends aren't people who don't go to this church. My friends and my life are this church. I'm spending my life here loving you, being loved by you, and it is the best. So I was delivering a mattress with my friend Joe Jackson this week to a woman who's been sleeping on a concrete taco. You know that point where you have your mattress for so long that it turns into a taco, and then all of the foam solidifies in one night into concrete, and then you'll, your back is ruined forever? And as we were talking, Joe, who is a widower, said to me, and I asked him, and he said, I could share this. It's not gossip. He said, Andy, last year I prayed to God. I said, I'm all yours. I just want you. I don't want another relationship. I don't want to fall in love. I just want you. Just use me in this church for good. Then Joe says this. Uh, uh, he said, two days later, I went to the new visitors, cl the new visitors class at church. I was like, I'm going to become a member and really serve. And I sat next to a lady named Carrie, and I started talking to her, and, it'd be, and it's like we've been talking for 20 years. And I said, and? And he goes, well, Pastor, last week we got engaged. <laughs> so much for my plans. Your plans are awesome. God's plans for you are way better. Your desires for you are pretty good. God's desires for you are way better. Are you making room for God in your schedule? Are you? Set aside time to pray. Set aside time to love and to serve. And the prayers don't have to be long. They can look like this. Are you ready? Pray this with me. Jesus, I'm yours. Show me what's next. That's all I'm talking about. You don't have to do the Lord's Prayer in seven psalms and four, like, monkish meditations, okay? It can just look like this. Read the next one. Pray the next one with me. Jesus, I'm yours. What would you have me say? That's it. That's what it looks like to make room for Jesus. How about this one? Jesus, I'm yours. Open my eyes to who I can love well. And guess what Jesus will do? He'll show you. And then that's your choice. Where do you start? With the people? Right in front of you. You picking up what I'm putting down. You understand this concept? Love the people close by. Yes, you got it? So nice. But this is what we do, man. Oh, my gosh. We just walk by the people in our life, right, as we stare at the screen, as we stare at the screen, and we miss loving them. So how is this related to slander? Because in both cases, either my slander or my scheduling, I'm attempting in both ways to live in the future. My slander is just about what this person will always be like and will never not do. That's what my slander is. See, they said this, and that means they're always going to say this, which means they're a terrible person. 
But really what I'm doing is that I'm judging a person by their past for all of eternity in the future, and I'm saying that about them now. And the same thing about me scheduling everything in my life without making room for God is that I'm living in the future, predicting that I can make a beautiful life without God right now. In both cases, I'll be miserable. And in both cases, I'll be wrong about so much. And in both cases, I'll miss what God is doing with me in the present. And here's why this is so important. God does not plan your future based on the mistakes of your past. Somebody say amen. Amen. God does not plan your future based on the mistakes of your past. And I'm talking about five minutes ago when you didn't like what I said. (laughs) I'm talking about two hours ago when you were mean, getting ready to go to church. I'm talking about this last week when you were selfish and all about you. God doesn't treat you based on your worst day. Jesus forgives you based on his worst day. Because on that cross, he took your sin and he took your failures and he took all of the abuse that you've ever suffered and all the ways that you've ever been abandoned and betrayed and he redeemed it, and he died for it, and he paid it, and he washed it clean. That's what he did. Jesus doesn't base your future on your failures. He bases your future on his resurrection success. Amen? Because your future is about his kingdom in his glory, in his will, and it's way better than yours. That's what your future is about. His glory, his kingdom, and his will. So make room for Jesus. Surrender, forgive, make plans for God. Be willing to be interrupted in your schedule for someone else's sake. And then James sends it like this, and I'll end here. Read this with me. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. Brothers and sisters, you're a fart in the wind. And you still have good work to do right now. So do it. Because sin isn't just about the bad things that you say out loud or in your heart. It's also about what you're called to do and you don't do. So you have good to do, do it. You have people to love, love them. And let me just encourage you, I see you doing this. I see you doing this. I see you loving people. I see you being courageous. I see you being vulnerable. I see you forgiving. I see you do everything that James is saying, telling us to do. And I just wanna say more, more. May God fan the flames of your obedience. May God fan the flames of your trust. May God fan the flames of the mercy that you give and the forgiveness that you give because I know I see you trying so hard and I want to say great job and I want to say keep on going and I want to say more, Jesus, right now. So we're about to do communion and I'm going to invite Kurt up. He's going to serve communion. I'm going to invite our worship, our worship team back up and our deacons up. They're going to serve communion for you and my prayer during communion is this, that right now you would make room right now for Jesus to do work in your own heart. You scheduled church, good job. Stay in the present with Jesus right now and let him minister to your heart. If you're at home, let him minister to your heart. He sees your pain. He sees your hurts. Let him bring healing to you. And Kurt has some instructions for us. Okay? Can we pray real quick?
Holy Spirit, you see us, you're with us right now. You care about us. You see every tear that has fallen from our cheeks, from our eyes. God, you love us. So Holy Spirit, come, fill this place, fill our hearts now with your presence. And just, again, bind up in silence and cast off anything opposed to Jesus that's attacking us now in Jesus' name. God, you have declared that we are worthy of your love. That we are enough for you. That you sing over us and delight in us. So God, as we receive communion today, we trust you to do your work. And all God's people say. God doesn't plan your future based on your worst day. He plans your future based on his. And we are forgetful people. We forget that. And we go back to beating ourselves up. And so communion is a reminder to us of what Jesus did for us. He sees our pain. He sees our hurts. He sees the moments we fail, and he loves us through it all. And so in this time, we're going to take um, the, the uh, wine, or, well, the juice, together at the end. But in this moment, we're going to hold the bread, take the bread, and let that just be a moment of stillness where you allow Jesus and to love you where you are because he his body was broken for you so that you could have a new future. So Jesus, thank you. This body, your body broken for us, we celebrate that. We're going to start with the edges. Start with the gonna hold my body down. and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. The God of all eternity in the present loves you. May he give you peace. And all God's people said, you guys have a great day. Bless you. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 10.40 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.